good to be in his house, isn't it? I think that the sermon today could be summed up kind of a a tag team to Jeannie's sermon last week that he is for you. Her sermon was that you are mine, Isaiah 43. He is for you. I just felt like the Lord wanted me to continue to, to encourage you this morning and all those listening on the podcast to encourage you. You know that God does multiple things at once. Isn't that shocking? Isn't it, it's always surprising to me how God does so many different things at once. You know how much stuff is happening all at once right now, even just inside your human body? How many things have to work together? How many different, what would seem like so contrasting and so different, seem like black and white within you, right? Just so far from each other, and yet they're all working together, even just for me to be standing here speaking. So many things working all at once. And I'm always shocked at what God is doing, even amongst complete and total chaos, complete and total rebellion, complete and total shutdown, right, of our nation. God is doing so many things in our hearts, isn't he? He's doing something in his church right now. And that's been throughout history. In fact, I don't wish for times that are hard, but history will tell you that during the hardest times, during the worst times, in fact, even during persecution, those are the times that the church grew the most. Those are the times that the testimonies came out, that people really knew God in a greater way. It's human nature for us to um, try to normalize and just, you know, make our situation as normal as possible. I've talked about that before. We just mentioned it on Tuesday that it's called a normalcy bias. It's just human nature. Even in your worst situations, you try to create some normalcy to it and try to bring some kind of peace to even craziness. That's our, our human. It's like built into us to try to, to create some peace amongst of the storm. But it also, what happens because of that, is that we don't ever think, you know, it's God-given that we want, we always want peace. But because of that, we think that we're always going to have peace. And sometimes when chaos is happening, there's this blinder, uh, and it's almost a protection that was kind of built into our DNA so that we don't freak out and so that we're not running around with our heads cut off, right, and afraid of everything. There's this protection that's almost built into our DNA that kind of, you know, doesn't accept what's happening. But, and I'm thankful for that in, in many ways, but at the same time, we must open our eyes and see that where we're at right now in this nation is not coronavirus hopefully winding down and then everything will be fine. So many other doors of Pandora's box have opened that I don't even, I have no idea, and I've said that from the pulpit, and I'm not going to try to say anything different than that today. I have no idea what that means and what is going to come 
except that all of us know inside of us that are praying and seeking God that there are other things around the corner. Now, again, that does not mean that we will be afraid, just the opposite. Hopefully, I'm going to convince you today if you are in fear, and I don't think anybody in here is, but I'm going to preach it anyway, and those are listening. But if you are, or if you're into worry, or if you're, or maybe the Lord's prepping us because some things are going to bring some fear in the future, but we're not going to be afraid. It just causes us to cleave to Him tighter. It causes us to look to Him even more. If you've been looking to the Lord so far, that's amazing. I love that. I love when I hear that Christians have already had their eyes on Him. They're already seeking Him. But it's a time, uh, the disciples, they didn't leave Jesus' side. And I just prayed this during the prayer there, before the service. They didn't leave His side for three and a half years, but Right before the cross, he said it's an hour to pray. That's where we're at. Even those that didn't leave his side, there was an extra level. There was another level that he was asking of them, and that's what he's asking of his church. Even the faithful ones, it's not to judge anybody listening, it's, and I don't feel judged the Lord speaking it to me, so hopefully... I'm not going to put that on anyone today. But that the Lord is saying today, this is an hour to pray. The Lord's encouraging us today, in fact. I feel like that's what the Lord wants to do, to encourage us and just to remind us He is for us. He is with us. God is with us. We need to know that. We know that we know that we know that God is with us. But sometimes we get so comfortable in the fact that God is with us that we can actually get sloppy with our moment-to-moment. -moment. What I mean by that is something like this. Um, if they say that if you uh, fish for someone, you know, you can, you can feed them for a day, right? You fish with someone for the day, you can feed them for the day, but if you teach them to fish, they'll fish for life, right? They'll be able to eat for life. The Lord is so kind to us. His grace and His mercy is so good that sometimes, even when we're seeking Him, even for those that are seeking Him, I'm not talking about the, the wayward. We're not talking about the worldly. We're not talking about the half-and-half half church. We're talking about the ones that are even seeking Him. We get so into His love and His grace and His protection and His blessing that it can, it's easy. Come on. And you, I'm, I'm trying to get these words out, but you're going to agree with me when I can finally get them out. It's easy to just rest in that, to stay in that blessing, to stay in his protection, and let God fish for you. It's very easy to do that. But really, when we look at his word, the whole Bible is that we are God's children. And that we are his reflection. What do you do with a child? Yes, you give them everything, don't you? And would you spare anything for your own child? Of course not. You lay down your own life. And that's what he did for us. Jesus laid down his own life for us because of his love. But if you really love your children, you don't want them to stay children. You teach them. You show them. You give them the abilities. You give them the strengths. You give them the insight. You give them the wisdom. 
You give them some life lessons, etc., etc., right? So that then they can go and be, hopefully, what they're going to do is, they're going to be their own individual, but they're going to reflect your character and the, the good things that you have poured into them. And that's what God, even Jesus, came and he raised up 11 disciples who then went and raised up churches, right? And went and raised up churches and raised up others and they grew and grew and grew and grew. And even thousands of years later, we're still growing as his church today. That's the way it's meant to be. And what's easy to do, though, is to sit in his church. I'm not talking about in this building, but just sit in the church. Just kind of like become part of his fold. And like, okay, I'm a child of God. And just hang there. And like we trust him and we love him and it's not an eternity thing. Your eternity is settled, but we can get almost too comfortable with the fact that uh, that God has uh, done everything. It's almost it's like a hard transition. You remember I remember when we were transitioning Elijah from the bottle to feeding him baby food and his mind. He couldn't understand why the food stopped every spoonful he would cry we would it was really funny we couldn't spoon it fast enough because he was used to the bottle being um continuous until its end and he was full now suddenly the spoon came in and then there was a there was a gap of time what is going on why is there not food in my mouth and i remember us you know sitting there at that table just shoveling it in. He could not eat it fast enough. It was funny, 16 years ago. The Lord's looking for a mature church and a, a, a mature stature, right? The mature stature of Christ. He is for us. He's with us. And yet, like a broken record, we must stand with him on this earth. This is a time I'm not taking away the dependence of God because as those children are growing, right, they become a teenager. And now, now the teenager has a lot more freedom than the little baby did. And yet, you know, he still lives in my home each meal, he's going to expect I'm going to give it to him. And, it, and he would think it was weird if I suddenly said, no, I'm not going to feed you today. There's this amazing dependence that we always have on God. And yet, there's more freedom as we grow. And then with freedom comes what? More responsibility. And that's where we're at right now. Jesus had poured into the disciples. I think, you know, I hear the Lord's grace, but I also hear his, his, uh, his gracious condemnation. Is that, a, is, that a, a, is that something in the Bible? When he talks to Peter, because he kind of expected more of Peter at this point, three and a half years. I hear his grace. He says the flesh is weak, but also he kind of was like, listen, man, do you even realize what I'm about to do for all of humanity, by the way? not just that I have to go through this. Can you pray with me for one hour? I hear the grace and the love and the mercy, but I also hear like Jesus saying, 
kind of like this. You couldn't pray for one hour? And yet he's with us. And yet he's for us. He's so for us. The danger is, what will happen is, he said to Peter just before that, Satan sought to sift you, but I prayed for you. Why did he say that? Peter had just told Jesus that he was going to stop him from going to the cross. He wouldn't allow it. And Jesus turned to him and said, Satan, get behind me. And then moments later, after he woke up from sleeping when he should have been praying, he grabs the sword still in his flesh, still, and strikes off the ear. And then denies Jesus three times. I think the danger is this, that the Lord really, isn't it amazing that Jesus is still pleading for us right now? That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says that just like Jesus prayed for Peter, it says that Jesus pleads for us to the Father right now. Present tense. I love that. And yet, at the same time, we must be so cautious because the enemy is going to try to sift the church. He's going to try to sift. He already has the world, and we're praying for the world. I just felt like we needed to do that. I won't preach long because I did pray a long time, but I just felt like we needed to pray because I do see uh, judgment coming. And I never say that, but today I'm going to be bold about it because that's the word of God. We don't like to major on that in the church. We want to major on the love and the grace and the mercy of God. But God will judge. He does. Every, the whole entire word, word is filled with it. It would be weird to talk about God without never saying it. But God must judge. As a parent, if you don't, it says if you spare the rod, you spoil your child. It's actually love. And so we must pray because... Whoever re will rebel right now, I believe the Lord is going to really open up eyes to give a chance. I just see that there's so much mercy and so much grace in God that he's not going to just judge and say, well, you know, that's your problem. I see that it's going to be to the very last second. I mean, Jesus is on the cross, and here's a, a murderer who deserves to die. And he says, remember me, you know, don't you know who this is? pleading, talking to the other criminal. He's preaching to the other criminal while he's nailed to the cross. And Jesus tells him, we'll be in paradise together today. So I do see the love and the mercy and grace of God right to the very last second, even there at death's brink, right? So, but we must pray because that is coming. And what's going to happen is we know that. But what the devil is going to try to do, which is beyond that, is try to take down the church with it. He knows he has the world, but he wants the church. Why? Because that would hurt God the most. Because we're his. Because we have this relationship with him. We've, we've come into this communion with him. It's not that the world doesn't matter to God, but the devil already knows he has them, so he wants more. And the only way he can get more is to take it from God's church. And that's why we must be so tenacious in this hour. I just wanted to read um, quickly, and I just feel like the Lord had those things to say, 
But I just want to quickly go and look at Isaiah 43 and um, just read a couple of verses only for a couple of minutes. Um, but it says in verse 1, and this is what Jeannie looked at last week, but the Lord had spoken it to me the same week. I called her one day and I said, I was, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. I'm just, I'm, I've got all these different things in my mind, um, not fear and worry, but maybe on the brink of them. <laughs> And uh, the Lord spoke to me so clearly, Isaiah 43. And so I had called her after my prayer time, and, and uh, she had confirmed later that day that the Lord had just spoken the same thing to her. And, and then somebody uh, confirmed it. A, a third person this week confirmed it, uh, just came in and, and saw her and said, Isaiah 43 again, out of nowhere, out of the entire Bible. And so I just want to be faithful and uh, just say a couple of lines here. But he says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. Verse 1, O Israel, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid. So we must know this. We must know this, that the Lord says to us today not to be afraid. All right, We cannot be afraid. I have ransomed you. Ultimately, Isaiah 43 is... Um, it, because God's always, we call it types and shadows, he's always doing more than one thing at a time. This is speaking to them about the time that they were in, but it's also prophesying Jesus Christ, right? The whole word prophesies Jesus, and that's the ransom. Jesus is the ransom. Don't be afraid, because I have ransomed you. I've called you by my name, and you are mine. There's where Jeannie preached on last week. And the name is the name of Jesus, right? Because his name is sealed upon us, right? post the cross, New Testament, this has even more power than it did to them because the name of Jesus is sealed upon us. And he says in verse 2, when you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. It says, and then verse 4, you are precious to me, you are honored, and I love you. So we will not be afraid in this season, will we? We will not be afraid. But this is what the word says. It says, verse 2, when you go through deep waters, everybody, I want you to say that out loud, when I go through deep waters. He'll be with me. When I go through rivers of difficulty, I will not drown. When I walk through the fire of oppression, I will not be burned up. The flames will not consume me. For the Lord is with us. But did you catch something, what you just said out of your own mouth with your own confession? Did you catch it? When I, everybody say, when I. We need to be aware of something right now. I want you to grit your teeth if you need to and say it to yourself. The Lord has not abandoned me. The Lord has not failed me. 
Do not forget that. Because what has the potential? We're going to keep praying. Amen. Who's going to keep praying and fasting? Right? That we're going to go into Christmas season. I'm not asking for normal that we don't want to change in our spirit. But this nation can have a normal Christmas and a normal white winter. Amen. We can have that. We're going to keep praying and fasting for that. But the word says that there will be times that you will go through fires. You will go through rivers of difficulty. You will go through deep waters. But when you go through them, God's with you. When you face it, not when I avoid it, God is with me. God is for me because nothing ever happens. No, I have seen many things. I have faced many things in my Christian walk. But I can say that God is faithful because he took me through it. We don't know what we've avoided because we've avoided it. Some things maybe you have a glimpse of. But I think in heaven, he's going to show you the millions and millions and millions of things you avoided. But at times, every Christian will go through things. And we must know that we know that we know that we know that we know that God is still with us. His word has not changed. I want you to say that out loud. God's word has not suddenly changed. You know what it says? He said, you're precious to me, verse 4. I love that because in Daniel chapter 9, the angel Gabriel, uh, he comes to Daniel and he's encouraging him because Daniel had been praying and fasting like we are. And he, you know what he says to him? He says, I want you to know something. You're greatly beloved. You may know it as. And the NLT says, you are precious. You're very precious to God. You need to know that you're precious to God, that God is for us. You're precious. And, you know, we're precious. God loves us. And yet, Daniel still had to fast. He loves us, and yet he was still uh, working on God's behalf in the earth. He saw the issues and still had to go through it. Daniel had to go into the lion's den. God got him through it, but he went in it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fires, but God was there with them in it. Do you know that God is just as powerful and just as big if he could create everything, the elements, right? Fire being one of the elements that God created. Don't you think that God is just as powerful enough to turn that heat down? They turned it up sevenfold, and God said, that's fine, because you'll just refine my servants even more. Amen. He could have turned it down, turned it off. Every time they tried to start the fire, a wind blew in. That's every camper in here experiencing that. How come that didn't happen for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? When we were away last week, we bought wood that just would not burn. The only way I could keep it burning is I brought a little electric leaf blower with me, and I just kept a steady airflow on it because fire loves oxygen. I just kept some air on it. That's the only way I could keep the fire burning. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sevenfold hotter. And the Lord's like, I'm not going to stop the fire. And I'm not going to stop you from going in it, but I will stand in there with you. Amen. We don't want to hear these things sometimes. In fact, I'm afraid to preach these words sometimes. I'm afraid of my flesh. I'm not afraid of my spirit. But because we don't want to face anything. We just want, we want Hawaii Island. We want heaven now. Come on, let's just be honest. 
We all desire, as much as we make fun of our neighbors, we want the white picket fence. We really do in our hearts. We make fun of them, but that's really what we want too. We want heaven now. And this is the thing. We're on this earth for a short while, and there is a stand that God wants to make through us that it's for his glory, and he's using us for it. Amen. And so just quickly... Uh, for time, I'm just going to take these five minutes and I'll end at normal time. He says, uh, verse 5, do not be afraid, I'm with you. He says, I'll gather you. And then he says in verse 10, he says, you're my servant. You've been chosen to know me. And he says, believe in me and understand that I alone am God. And then he says, uh, there is no other God. There never has been and there never will be. So he's telling them, I want you to believe in me. And then he says, from eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anyone out of my hand, and no one can undo what I've done, verse 13. Verse 16, I'm just uh, hitting some of these high points. It's an amazing chapter. The Lord's really put on our hearts, and maybe we'll open it up even more. Um, But just quickly, verse 16, he says, I am the Lord who opened a way through the waters. And the NLT expounds on this and kind of gives some insight into what he was talking about. He says, I'm making a dry path through the sea, and I called forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses, and I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned, and their lives snuffed out like a smoldering candlewick. He says in verse 17, just reminding us of the things he's done. We must remember who God is and what he has done. Why does he tell you that? Why does God want you to remember what he's done before? So that you will remember him when you face what you haven't been in before. Amen. You ever find that God comes to encourage you in the time you're in, and you know that he's encouraging you, but that it's not going to be over for a little while? Who has felt that before in the Lord? But you're encouraged because you know that he's going to be faithful to get you through it. Amen. We are in a tumultuous time. And uh, I'm going to keep praying, but if the enemy has his way, let me phrase it that way. If the enemy has his way, it's the end of America as you know it. I'm not the only one saying that. But if he has his way, that's it. This is done. In history, nations, we're actually one of the longest-lasting nations in history. They only last for 200-ish years, and then a revolution comes and it changes. It might have the same name, but that's just history. We're well beyond that in the Lord, because of the Lord's grace and mercy. We need to remember what God has done. We need to remember his faithfulness, and we need to cleave to him right now and plead with him plead with him for this nation that we live in we have to plead with him the enemy doesn't need to have his way and he says this he says and i love 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 this and many of you know this verse i love how the nlt says it he says in verse 18 but forget all that everybody say forget all that he said it's nothing compared to what i'm going to do He's encouraging them because they were in Babylon and they were in a hard time. 
and he's encouraging them, and he's like, I've been with you before. Don't be afraid. I've been with you, and I've delivered you, and every time you called on me, I was there, and so on. Just remember what I've done, but forget all that in comparison to what I'm about to do. He said, I'm about to do something new. See, I've already begun. Do you see it? The Lord made me start preaching on the new and this new wine last year. And I said, Lord, I don't even know how to preach it. But I preached it anyway. And then he made me preach it again. And it seemed odd for, you know, what was happening in the world. And I'm like, well, Lord, this is certainly new. Certainly new for us. But that's, I knew it wasn't the new that he wanted me to know. There's a new that's in him. There's a new new in him. There's a new move of the Spirit. Come on, there's a new... It, it's, it's really the old made new again. The real church, the real believers, the real gospel had been kind of lost in translation for a long time, and the Lord is resurrecting it and bringing it back. And it's a church that has to stand on Him. The early church, they had no choice but to trust in God. It was life and death. And that's what the Lord's about to do, and he's going to be with his church. And he promised his apostles, he said, I'm warning you beforehand just so you don't forget. Do you remember that, Jesus, when he was with his disciples? I'm telling you beforehand so that you'll have peace. Do you remember those words? I'm telling you beforehand so you'll have peace. He said, but don't be afraid. He said, don't be afraid. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And don't be afraid because I have overcome the world. But the world around them certainly changed, didn't it? Even though he told them not to be afraid, and even though the Holy Spirit was promised, the world around them changed, didn't it? But God moved with them. It may not be in the way that they would have asked for it. It's certainly not, when I read some of the details of what they went through and what they faced, what I would have asked for or what I would have expected. But God was certainly with them because we're here today. Amen. The church is alive today because God was with them, and he did get them through it. And that's what he's about to do. It doesn't matter what comes. I don't care if this world melts down like wax, and the Bible says one day it will. And what's going to happen is my body will melt with it, so be it, because my spirit will be standing there alive with Jesus Christ forever and ever. Amen. We need to cleave to that right now, cleave to that truth, cleave to that word right now. That's the time that we're in. He said, I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland. I want to encourage you, but I want you to hold on. I want to encourage you that the Lord's with us, but you're going to have to hold on. Everybody say, he's with us, but I got to hold on. Do you remember what the, the angel said to Paul when he was out there in the, in the sea, right? The Euroclidon came. That's a storm from all sides. Who knows we're in that? Lord kept saying, there's a Euroclidon coming, and I kept making it maybe, you know, the Hudson Valley or my own personal life. I didn't know, so I just kept praying. Okay, Lord. Okay, Lord. Yes, Lord, praying for whatever I thought the Euroclidon was, and the Euroclidon is a, it's a, it's a typhoon on the sea. It's a storm from all sides. That's exactly what we're in. But you know what the Lord said to him? The Lord said, because Paul said, well, we're in it now. I, I warned you beforehand. We didn't have to be in the situation, but we're in it. There ain't no escaping it. We're on the boat. But the Lord's given me a strategy. Throw everything else off. 
everything that you could cleave to, everything you could depend to, get rid of it. Cut it all off. Cut off the, uh, the safety boats, the lifeboats. Cut it all off, and the Lord's going to rescue us. Not even one person is going to die. But the ship is going to be wrecked. We're going to be at sea for a couple of days. When I get to shore, I'm going to be bit by a viper. But God's with us. Amen. That's where we're all <laughs> praying in the morning with the Lord. Amen. But God will not fail us. He says, I'll make a pathway. I'll make a pathway through the wilderness. I'll create rivers. Man, there doesn't even have to be, water doesn't even have to exist. I'll give you water. He's going to supernaturally sustain us in this hour. It doesn't matter. It's not a lazy thing, but the Lord's going to be with us. We must be tenacious in prayer. We must be tenacious to, be, to have our ear to the rails and to be looking and to be ready. And we need to know that the Lord is with us. Amen. He said this, and I'm, this is my last verse. I could go on. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 8. He said this. He said, uh, we just read this this uh, last week, and um, I felt like I needed to bring this in because he said, please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. And... Um, I don't know where we're at on the time frame of that type of judgment, but God did promise that when people were unfaithful, things would happen. I have no idea where we're at there, but this is what I do know. I was so encouraged when I read it because I said, Lord, I started to pray a little bit differently this week. I said, I don't even know where we're at on the timeline, but I read this and I was so encouraged because I said, Lord, your word says, if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then even if you are exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. Did you hear that? It doesn't, let me put it in, in, in my prayer language for this week, 2020. It doesn't matter what you're facing. It doesn't matter what the enemy's planned, and it doesn't matter how bad it looks in those cities. If you will pray right now, even if you have been scattered from everything you used to know, and this nation doesn't even look like the nation you used to know, I'll bring you back. I can bring you back. And Nehemiah was reminding God, so I reminded God of what Nehemiah reminded God of that Moses said. And he said, The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. Oh Lord, hear, please hear my prayer. Listen, to, so then he made it personal. You did it, you said it for Moses. Remember what you said to him. Now listen to me, listen to us. Listen to us just like you listen to Nehemiah. Lord, listen to our prayers of those who delight in honoring you. Grant us success today. Grant us success today. We don't have time for it. That's another sermon. Nehemiah faced some things too, didn't he? That's what the word is filled with. See, you go through your word. People don't like a lot of the subjects that end up 
getting preached sometimes, but uh, not in this church, but it's because people don't really know the word. Every single person in the entire Bible faced un just unbelievable circumstances. This guy, Nehemiah, right? We know his story. We just read it. The stuff he has to face. They had guard 24-7. Half the people couldn't even uh, keep building the wall like they were supposed to because, you know, there's stuff going on. We're not going to get into all that. So half of them have to be guard. He doesn't even let, they're trying to build a wall with one hand. They got the sword in the other hand, right? That's where we're at right now. The Lord is with us, and the Lord completed it. The Lord finished it, but they had to be tenacious about it. They had to be on guard about it. That's where we're at right now. That's the word of the Lord today. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord, for your word. I just pray you seal it today, to seal it in our hearts, Lord God. And I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that as we cleave to you and we hold on to you, I thank you, Lord, you're going to do it, and we're going to look to you. But, Lord, we're going to remember when we don't want to remember or the circumstances are trying to keep us from remembering. God, we're going to remember that you've been faithful before. We're going to remember that you are faithful always. And, Lord, we're going to remember that you're going to get us through this time in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.